Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It is good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or you can go to our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, for more information about our work, including CFS Financial, my company that consults with nonprofits, primarily Christian organizations, primarily Christian schools all over the country on all things financial CFS Financial, please go to johnwarrenmedia.com and look at the CFS Financial tab to read a description of that work. If you happen to be managing a Christian school or a parachurch, some other parachurch ministry or serving on the board and you'd like more information about our work, don't hesitate to contact me. Or if you have a question about the podcast, you can reach me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com, john at johnwarrenmedia.com, or you can go simply to our contact page of our website. Well, we have passed our 100th episode. This one is uh, something like number 105 or 6. I've sort of lost count, although I can certainly look it up. But um, that is uh, just a, I want to just uh, praise God for his faithfulness and thank you for listening. This work has been, has gone on longer than I thought it might in the beginning. It has built uh, quite an audience and uh, it is, I believe, being used by God all over the world. There are listeners, those of you in Australia, you are a blessing to me. There's a small group of individuals there in a little town whose name I don't recall, but uh, I just want to do a shout out to you. There, there are folks in Belgium, uh, Germany, uh, throughout throughout Europe, and even in India. And uh, so, thank you, and uh, you're, you're an encouragement to me. This this work is uh, is so valuable, and it's an honor to get to be with you. Every week in this format, if you have thoughts for me about episodes you'd like to hear, you can reach me on social media or going to um, my website and using the contact form or send along just an email directly to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. Well, today we're going to do something maybe a little unusual. Uh, it, it's, a, it, it's unusual because it's a, it's a topic that sounds kind of abstract and yet it's really not. It's, it's a, I mean, it has an abstract element to it, but it's something we all experience, and that is cognitive dissonance. And I'm guessing something just popped into your head when I said cognitive dissonance. Perhaps you're experiencing dissonance when I say cognitive dissonance. But th- this is really a, a simple way to say it, or, or what I always thought it meant, is, is sort of cause and effect denial. Experts say that this isn't a, a psychological disease or illness. It's a phenomenon, a psychological phenomenon that can happen to anyone. In fact, it almost happens to everyone. It's a psychological phenomenon. American psychologist Leon Festinger 
first developed the concept in the 1950s. I believe it was 1957. And, and he said it, it really, it can occur. It's a feeling. I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it's actually a thing. But, but he said it's a feeling that can occur when a person holds two contradictory beliefs at the same time. Two contradictory beliefs at the same time. An article I read, and I read several, says uh, that, that it's, 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 for example, a person who wishes to, they use as an example, a person who wishes to protect themselves and other people from COVID, uh, they, they might wear a mask in public, and that is consonance. That is consonance. But a person who refuses to wear a mask, but, but also cares about people and thinks COVID might spread, is guilty of dissonance. Now, I don't want to get into the whole COVID-19 debate by using that example, but you get the idea. I, I, thought, I thought of some others. I, I, it really, it, it's kind of funny because uh, uh, Dave Dorr, who is a, an orthopedic surgeon and a friend, uh, told me that I needed to lose some weight. And he, he said it in the nicest way. There's this, we'll talk more about this later, but there's, there's this tension that goes on with physicians. If you're a physician, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want to grab your patients and kind of shake them and get them to listen to you and follow your advice because you can improve their health. And what we tend to do is ignore that advice because you say it so nicely and gently, usually, and we move on our merry way. And then we're surprised that, that we have physical manifestations negative health manifestations of whatever it is, because we didn't take your advice. My dentist, who is a friend, Joe Calderon, told me, he said, I'd have far less business if all of my patients listened to me. And they brushed and wore mouth guards when they grind their teeth and all, all the rest. If, if patients just listened, then I would, I would do far less business. And he said, it's kind of a shame. He said, I'd, I'd kind of love that. And I guess he'd have capacity for more patients then. But he says, human nature being what it is, it's kind of part of their training to know that people aren't necessarily going to listen to them. That's, that's kind of a, a, a bit of a, an, a crude example, I think, of cognitive dissonance. It's, it's really when, among other things, I know that this is bad for me but I do it anyway, or I know this would be good for me. Take, take exercise, for example, and, and I, I'll, I'll get off this whole, whole physical part of this in, in just a moment. But, um, it, you know, we, we know that it is good for us to, 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 to exercise. And, and yet we don't do it and wonder why we don't enjoy good health. We particularly measure health through some markers. And you're probably thinking when I say that about some of yours, like average blood pressure. It's really funny. My blood pressure goes up and down all the time. And I am uh, a bit uh, compulsive and obsessive. And so uh, there are periods of time where I will, I will take my blood pressure throughout the day. It's really interesting. It's, it's, um, I can, I can kind of take deep breaths and relax and try to think about nothing and, and actually make my blood pressure go down. You might be able to do this too. Or I can think about stressful issues and it, and it goes up. And, and 
I'm not going to get into the whole systolic and diastolic and which one moves when it, it's, it's complicated. Uh, one, one is, uh, your blood pressure away from your heart, the other toward your heart. And, and some, some believe that, that one or both move with emotion. I, I think they both tend to, but I'm not a doctor, but it's, it's really uh, quite fascinating to me that we look at these health mo- uh, markers and, and, you know, another one is blood sugar. I have good blood sugar numbers, thankfully. Um, some people do and don't. Um, cholesterol numbers, my physician friends say that those are, those are somewhat inherited from your family, from your DNA, from your genomes, but, but you can control them to some degree through diet and exercise. And so, so we've got a, a series of, of, of medical, we'll call them markers or, or indices, uh, indicators. And, and we, uh, we go on about our merry way and we're surprised when they don't improve, but we don't take the action necessary to make them improve. That, that's, a, that's a bit of cognitive uh, dissonance. This, this not heeding our doctor's advice, especially diet. Think about that for a second. We, we say, ooh, I like this particular food. That is a temptation for me. And I know some of you don't have that issue, but some foods just taste good. A friend of mine once said years ago, it's the calories that taste good. And I tend to think he had that right. Or maybe the fat and the salt and the calories or the sugar or whatever. We all have different dietary challenges, I think. And it's, it's really quite, interesting that 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 we we just many of us aren't aware and i know i did a whole episode on on this this health topic and my own health journey and my own diet journey which was really uncomfortable for me and i'm not going to talk more about that now but most of us go through the day and 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 we kind of don't do the math to see you know what what did we really eat during the day if you kind of go with the flow, you can do that when you're younger, but as you get older, usually the metabolism slows down. You have to be just a little more aware. There's, there's, there's some cognitive dissonance there, isn't there? And, th- and then there's exercise. And boy, we, we love to go through the motions, don't we? And we've talked on this podcast about health clubs, uh, gyms, workout facilities, exercise facilities, who overbook, oversell memberships early in the year because of New Year's resolutions, whatever those are, and and they they overbook, knowing that we're not going to continue to show up. And the key to exercise is to do it consistently over time. And if you're a guy and you played sports like I did, and I played most of them, um, then you tend to kind of attack exercise. And then you hurt yourself and, or you, or you get frustrated with it or, or, or it's just too physically demanding as you get older and and you, and so you quit, you know, we just don't like pain. Usually, uh, you know, you've heard the, the saying, no, no pain, no gain. Well, there's not a lot of gain going on with, with, with exercise among many people, but if you pace yourself and spread it out and do something that's healthy, even if it's just walking intensely, you know, you've got, you've got the length of the exercise and the intensity of the exercise that are very important. And you know that your body is going to be healthier if you do exercise and yet we struggle with it. You would think we would wake up every day, and I, I, I frankly do now, but you'd, you'd think we wake up every day thinking, I can't wait to exercise. Those of you who figured this out know that feeling. I'm looking forward 
to exercising because I know what it does for me. Instead, we're usually dissonant, aren't we? Cognitively dissonant with diet and exercise. Uh, narcissists. It's, it's really interesting. I, I, I wrote down a couple of other examples just to, just to try to, to drive this home. And then we'll go back to the, the articles that I read and talk a, a little more uh, about what, what this really is technically. And I hope you'll stay with me because we're going to turn a corner here in, uh, in a bit that I think will be really encouraging. It's very encouraging to me. But narcissists really don't understand why they aren't fulfilled. I mean, they think about it for a second. And I, I'm, I, again, I'm not a psychologist and I, I don't have the technical definition of narcissism in front of me. I don't know that we particularly need it for this discussion. But, but this narcissist, uh, it really just sees the world through their own eyes and they're, they're thought of as very selfish. The world revolves around me. It's, it's kind of the ultimate self-reliant person. Uh, I am self-sufficient. I care about my own needs, my own interests. I esteem my needs ahead of everyone else kind of doing the opposite, not kind of doing the opposite of the biblical mandate to esteem the needs of others ahead of our own, which is love. So this is an unloving person who only cares about themselves, who will disadvantage other people to advantage themselves. And they don't understand why they aren't fulfilled. So they live their lives to fulfill themselves all the while not being fulfilled. Talk about dissonance. And so when they're not fulfilled, when they feel like, wow, I'm, I'm not fulfilled enough, I'm the center of the universe and I'm not getting enough fulfillment, then they turn the temperature up. They're, they're in pursuit of something that is not attainable given the path they're taking to get to it. And yet, so just imagine going the wrong direction, being in the woods on a trail and, and you're, you're going the wrong way and you say, Wow, I've got to, I'm not getting to where I need to be. I'm going to pick up the pace. That's in essence the dissonance that a narcissist experiences. And, and they, kind of, they kind of don't understand why. Uh, similarly, unbelievers, those who aren't Christians, those who don't believe the Bible, those who don't follow Christ, are, are empty, and yet they resist God. Talk about dissonance. I mean, it's... It, it, it doesn't surprise us, it shouldn't surprise us that they just more aggressively, when they're unfulfilled, they more aggressively resist God because they're angry. Their anger is caused by the fact that they are going the wrong direction on the path and they simply pick up the pace in their anger. So if you think about that, this denial of God, of who God is, is also a form of dissonance, cognitive dissonance. The world lives in a state of cognitive dissonance. I think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Can you imagine? Now, they know God. As far as we know, there weren't a ton of people on the earth at this point, namely two. I know there could have been more, and I know that there's a reference in Genesis about them, the word them, God created them, when after Adam was created and Eve hadn't been created yet. And so, okay, maybe, but, but I doubt it. They're really just two people. They know God. God knows them. They sin. And what do they do? They go and hide. Now they have to know by now. I don't know about the timeline here and how, how many days or weeks or years had passed. 
probably not many, not even days, but but they, they, they send and then they go and hide. They cover themselves. They realize, oops, I'm naked. Oops, you're naked. And they, they cover themselves with fig leaves or leaves of some sort and they go and hide thinking they're going to hide from an infinite God. That, that's, like, that's like going through an x-ray and, and, and swallowing something to hide it from the x-ray. I mean, it's just, it, that's not even a good analogy, but it, it, we, we don't hide from an infinite God. And yet, don't we all do that? You look at Adam and Eve and you say, wow, what, what stupid people these were. Why in the world did they sin to start with? They're in Eden. They sin because of self-reliance, observing this beautiful creation that's just been made and is not contaminated, and, and, and they sin, and then they think they can just hide from God. They can just defy the God who made them. And, and maybe I can get it from Eve, but not from Adam, who, who, who kind of was there when Eve was created. And, and I mean, there's just no excuse for, for either of them, really. And yet they experience cognitive dissonance. So what is it, what on earth is it that made them experience cognitive dissonance? It's failing to understand causal relationships, cause and effect. It's the smoker who won't quit, says he can't, but he can, who won't quit in spite of the fact that he's having lung issues. It's the, yeah, I mean, we, we, can, we can go on and on with these, these analogies. It's the, it's the person who exposes themselves to some contaminant or carcinogen or takes undue risks and is experiencing the, 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 the causality and, and then denies it still. Uh, the person who has severe di- diabetes and uh, organ failure and uh, you know kidney failure and all the rest and and I know I know there are two types if not three and I I know there uh, there there's lots of research that's been done and my heart goes out to all of you who struggle with these health issues they, these uh, e- even if you cause them you know we are human that is the human condition but cognitive dissonance this this denial that we go through. It is just part of the human condition. We, we are attempting, our brains are attempting to explain how the world works all the time. And we tend to rationalize. We tend to, we, we, we tend to have flawed thinking. And I, I would imagine you've experienced this where, where you're in some setting. It could be social. It could be a business setting. It could be in your church. It's sad that it happens in churches, but, but you're, you're, for whatever reason, you, you have accumulated some knowledge, some information, and you believe you know the answer to a problem or question or something that is disputed, and, and you have an adversary. You have somebody on the other side of the table, figuratively speaking, who has accumulated knowledge that is, that is dissonant, that is not the same knowledge that you have accumulated but they've accumulated nonetheless. And both of you are equally confident that you're right. You both know that one is one has to be right and one is wrong. There's, there's sort of a, a mutually exclusive principle here with whatever this issue is. And both people argue passionately. 
that is cognitive dissonance. And I know issues are more complicated than that. And sometimes both of you are somewhat right and somewhat wrong. And I understand all that. Well, there's a, that is the part of the human condition. There is, there is tension in this dissonance. We don't always do what is in our best interest even, do we? You'd think that a person who has no money would stop spending, for example. You'd think a country in Congress would stop spending, but that's another topic that we've already addressed again and again on this podcast. But you'd think that that, that a, a person who, who doesn't have any money, they got a credit card in their hand and they're in a store, that, that they, they wouldn't buy that big ticket item unless they really needed it. And most of you don't. But there are some who have who experience cognitive dissonance. They don't think about, they choose not to think about. For whatever reason, they can kind of turn off, they're like a dolphin. They can turn off half their brain and say, well, the purchase side of me is going to buy that. The part that's got to pay for it, I'm just going to turn off right now. Have you ever done that? I guess we all have at some point. So, so this dissonance impacts all of us, cognitive dissonance. Now, just to go back for, for, for a moment to the, to the technical part of cognitive dissonance, it can, it can surface in, in one of three ways. A- avoiding situations that we, we can avoid. Uh, avoiding is the first one. Avoiding situations that remind us of the dissonance. We, we like to distract ourselves from it but with with tasks that consume us and then secondly there's delegitimizing that involves undermining evidence of the dissonance a person can do this by discrediting the person group or situation that highlighted the dissonance and then thirdly limiting the impact and this involves the limiting the discomfort of cognitive dissonance by belittling its importance we can be our own worst enemy. This author, uh, who I'm reading from in Medical News Today, talks about some examples of cognitive dissonance. And he says he uses smoking for, for one of them. And dissonance can be high in people who highly value their health but continue to smoke or, or eating meat of certain types. Uh, he uses as an example doing household chores so we, we, can, we can be lazy and although we like to have a clean neat environment we can rely on our spouse or somebody else or just allow a messy environment indicating some uh, dissonance and and there there are so many others the the causes are are really quite interesting i believe it it's it's really just the human condition there's sort of forced compliance or there's social pressure. There are a number of things that lead to cognitive dissonance. Our decision-making process. Some of us have flawed decision-making. We really don't think logically in terms of cause and effect. We have it in us, but we just kind of choose not to. And, and sometimes we, 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 we have things that we just don't agree with, that, that, that they're not well thought out. But it, it's really, a, uh, I'm taking my toys and going home. I just don't like that. And so I'm going to deny that, that if I eat too much, I'm going to get fat or whatever it is. And, and then there's the matter of, of effort. We tend to value certain things. We've talked about that on this podcast too. We tend to value things that we work hard for, even if those things contradict our values. Two different kinds of values in that sentence. So 
viewing something negatively after we put a lot of work into it would cause maybe more dissonance. You ever do that? You work on a project and you go down a path and and you kind of know this isn't working or you commit to a business strategy and because it was your idea and you're going to be embarrassed around others that you just got to stay with it. I see it in restaurants all the time that this, this is our theme. This is our pricing. This is our menu. This is how we do things and it's not working out and we're going to have to close, but we're not changing. The effects of cognitive dissonance are also interesting. There, there's, there's internal discomfort, isn't there? We really don't like that, do we? We don't, we don't like it at all. We really just avoid trouble. We, we are challenged with respect to cognitive dissonance. It's something that we all face. Well, there's a healthy side to cognitive uh, dissonance. And I want to talk about that in the Christian life. Those of you who are Christians, you can appreciate this. There is apparent cognitive dissonance. And I'll give you just a couple of examples. There's faith and reason. It's really quite interesting, isn't it? We, we say that we walk by faith and yet we're also to be reasonable. Our faith is well reasoned. In fact, Knowing God, knowing the facts about God thoroughly from Scripture and knowing God relationally increases our faith. So our faith and reason go together. They work together. They are not mutually exclusive. As you move toward one, you don't move away from the other. We tend to think of these concepts as dissonant. There's tension in these concepts. In fact, it's ludicrous to some people when I say, you know, instead of thinking of faith and reason on a continuum, I want you to think of it as a big container, like the size of a, one of those big trash cans that your, your, your waste company picks up from your driveway with that big arm thing that dumps it in the truck. One of those containers and you, you get some faith and, 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 and let's just say your faith fills up half the container do, do you just have half a container to fill with reason? No. No, it's curious. It's hard for me to explain, hard for us to comprehend. But we get infinite capacity in, the, in our container that contains faith and reason. You can fill it absolutely full of faith, and then you can turn right around and fill it absolutely full of reason, which you know I know sounds illogical, but it's true. Reason grows our faith and well-reasoned faith, faith in the truths of God's word, makes us more logical, more reasonable. Clay Taylor, one of the elders at my church, said one time, and I'll never forget this, that the gospel is beautifully logical. The truths of the gospel are logical, and that just appeals to me. Yes, it does. The gospel is, is it counterintuitive? Yes, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But it is incredibly Logical. Uh, the entire basis for our faith, the ministry of Jesus Christ, the finished work of Jesus Christ, is incredibly logical when we really understand who God is and how God actually functions, what his character is, who he is, who the enjoying the, 
the depths of who he is. An- another place where, and this is maybe the first thought that pops up when we think about cognitive dissonance in Christianity, is God's sovereignty and man's choices. Oh, there's dissonance there. You, you can't deny and I, I, I have some friends who, who will say, no, there's no dissonance. God is entirely sovereign. Boom. That's a settled. Well, yes, that is settled. However, we make choices. And you choose what you want to do. I, I don't know how that works. God is entirely sovereign. All the omnis are true. Omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence, omnibenevolence, all those are true. But man also makes choices. And guess what? There are consequences associated with those choices. Talk about dissonance. Just think about it for a second. Yes, God is entirely sovereign. Yes, man makes choices and there are consequences. Why does a person go to hell? Why is a person damned to eternal separation from God in hell? Because he rejected Jesus Christ and yet God is sovereign. How, how I, I got another one. That's just an, another perspective on this same issue. How can a righteous God, that is, that is a just God, a a morally pure God, save unrighteous man. Under any circumstances, how, think about it, think about this dissonance that is essential in our understanding of the gospel. How can a righteous God save unrighteous man? How can righteous God, knowing everything, being entirely sovereign, save unrighteous man? Declares man unrighteous and then saves him eternally declaring him righteous, seeing him as righteous, considering is the word or reckoning him as righteous. How can a righteous God do that without compromising his own righteousness? The answer is in the person of Jesus Christ and in him only. So it it is essential in the Christian life to embrace counterintuitive thought. I've got another one for you. How can a sovereign God who is good who is benevolent, who is omnibenevolent, all benevolent, always loving all the time, not save everyone. See the dissonance? How can a sovereign God who is good all the time, perfectly good, all the time, without exception, never faltering, never wavering, not save everyone? Or, or, you know, some of you are thinking, how can a good holy God, set-apart God, righteous, morally pure God, save anyone. Both are true, aren't they? The gospel itself is scandalous. Maybe the most profound example of cognitive dissonance in the Christian life is thinking that we can hide from God. I know I mentioned Adam and Eve earlier and we look at that story and say, what were they thinking? Why, why are you hiding in those bushes and covering yourselves with leaves? That's, that's just stupid. God is infinite. He knows exactly where you are. Oh, he found them. He didn't have to look for him to say he found them is silly. He knew exactly where they were. He didn't have to pop out his iPhone and ask Siri where they were. He didn't have to go on Google earth and look at the satellite image. Not even in his head. He knew exactly where they were because he's perfect. And yet we do precisely the same thing. We think we can hide from God. There's a concept I've talked about before called Coram Deo. You're familiar with that. It literally means before 
the face of God, living life with the awareness of, of God, the, uh, the awareness that we're living life before the face of God. I really like Psalm 51. Actually, I like all the Psalms, but Psalm 51 is just beautiful. It says in verses 9 through 11, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. This plea to the Lord in verse 9 is born of an acute sense of guilt. David knew he had wronged God by his sin with Bathsheba. And he realized that his end would be destruction if God looked on him with his wrath. Just think about that for a moment. David, even in the aftermath of his sin, lived life quorum Deo before the face of God. To do that, David had to know who God is. And if you look at that entire psalm, and I think I might have gone through this psalm on a podcast episode a while back, but he knows that God is, I'll just summarize it for you. He knows what repentance is, and he knows that God is truthful, wise, purifying, joy imparting, cleansing, creating with us, restoring, sustaining, and converting God. Those are all characteristics of God that David knows from Scripture. David knew God. David walked with God. David was a man after God's own heart. David knew God so he could live life quorum Deo before the face of God. I hope that's an encouragement. You know what it really should encourage? A friend of mine is writing a book. And he has asked me a couple of questions about writing a book. Uh, I I wrote a book uh, 10 years ago or so called The Financial Rescue Plan for Nonprofits. You can get it on Amazon. It's 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 a book that talks about the common threads I encountered in my work with Christian schools and other parachurch ministries that work of CFS Financial, the company I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast episode. But in his inquiry with me, my friend talked about the essential nature of the fact that we need to be in God's word. He's focusing on men in particular rather than women, but men, so few Christian men are actually reading and knowing and studying and memorizing and, and, and just, just reading even meditating on and reading God's word daily. And I, I do that. I'll occasionally miss a day. If, if something is happening early in the morning that is unexpected and throws me out of my rhythm or I have to be somewhere that requires me to get up at 4 or 5 a.m. and I'm going, I'll, I'll, I'll miss a day. And, and, I, and I, I don't like it. And, it, and they're rare. But, but I want to be in God's Word daily because I want to know God. I want to know who God is. I want to know everything about the depths of who God is. And I don't want to just know Him intellectually. I want to know Him relationally. God is both transcendent, out apart from us, big and powerful. And we need to know about all these characteristics that He has but he's also imminent. He's also with us and loving. And that's just beautiful. And I want to know him. So my challenge to us is, is that, yes, there is apparent cognitive dissonance. There is tension. Let's call it that. 
there's there, the, the gospel is counterintuitive. Biblical truth is counterintuitive. So it is imperative that we know God. And there's also cognitive dissonance in this life, this psychological phenomenon where, you know, you just feel that there's just kind of a feeling that, that, that makes us kind of separate ourselves from reality and, and, and deny reality. The way that we overcome this is through God's word, through the renewing of our minds in Romans 12, one and two, through the beauty of God's word, the whole, the work of the Holy spirit in and through us relieves the angst from our dissonance. Does it eliminate all of doing all the things right? Does that eliminate all of the tension and all of the apparent dissonance? No, no. On this side of heaven, there are mysteries. There are things we don't know. We, you, you are not going to fully be able to master the concept of God's sovereignty and man making choices. But what you will learn, what we do learn through scripture is to embrace those two concepts. As we grow closer to God, as we know more about God and his character, we know both of those concepts. We know that he made man with volition and yet he doesn't give up one ounce of his sovereignty in so doing. Can I explain that as a flawed, earthly, weak thinking, narrow minded human? No, I cannot. But wow, what a beautiful concept. Again, I want to thank you for being with us through 105 or so episodes. You're a blessing. Your correspondence is a blessing. I, I appreciate so much the encouragement. There's a, a professor at a, a Christian university who sends me detailed uh, emails about these podcast episodes. Sometimes she doesn't do it always, but it, it's just so it's encouraging to know, wait a minute. I mean, it's also intimidating that this really smart person is listening and not just listening, but comprehending and, and, and writing about it to me. What an encouragement. I'm so thankful to get to do this work. You're a blessing. Uh, please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.